Make this the best fall. And start at Plato's Closet in North Charleston and West Ashley. Earn cash for clothes. We're buying your trendy, gently used fall styles like boots, hoodies, denim, jackets, and other fall pieces. If you have cool fall styles just sitting in your closet and you don't plan to wear them again, earn cash on the spot. Make this the best fall with cash for clothes. We want your sustainable fall styles at Plato's Closet. Stop by today. Plato's Closet, located in West Ashley on Sam Rittenberg Boulevard and North Charleston on Rivers Avenue. Drivers, start your engines! What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin, joined by the FSWA three-time NASCAR writer of the year, Matt Sells. Matt, how are you? It's kind of been a big week for NASCAR news. It has. It has not been a slow week. That's for dang sure. Um, there's news all over the place. Um, you know, it's also been a, a big week for the site, in case anybody has already logged on by the time they're listening to this. Uh, it's down to one site, so that's what I was busy doing over the weekend and early this week, was helping the tech team merge the sites back together. Don't worry, all the DFS stuff is still there. You can still find it. It's all in the menus. You can also just go slash DFS, and you'll get there. Um, but yeah, so been a busy week all around for F1. There's a ton of F1 news, a ton of NASCAR news. Um, sponsorship news in NASCAR, penalties, disqualifications. Where do we want to start? Well, I guess we could just do like start with a quick recap of Pocono, just because it's not my favorite track. I kind of made note of that in both my playbooks this weekend. I also played much lighter than I normally do, and I was having a pretty good DFS day until Ross Chastain. Uh, I guess if you look at it in slow mo, it's almost like he put himself in the wall. It's kind of like the Kevin Harvick trying to wreck Chase Elliott last yeah, year, right, like, where he I don't, freaked himself out. It's, it wasn't like I watched that and I just saw, like, oh, well, there's Denny's revenge. I mean, Denny may have felt pretty good about it in the moment. I'm pretty sure he did enjoy it. Um, but uh, overall, I, that did kind of break me. It didn't cost me everything. You know, I probably – I only played the uh, the Chrome Horn for $80 max, and I lost about 30 um, so other than that, I was kind of flirting with like, you know, breaking even kind of doubling up on the day, not a huge DFS day, but I really don't enjoy Pocono, but that is one of the better Pocono races that I've seen in recent memory. The racing was pretty good. Uh, it seemed much more, uh, possible to pass, which I don't really say too much about Pocono, but overall, like the racing was good. And then the drama that unfolded after the race was probably even better. Yeah, for sure. Um, I caught snippets of the race, not the whole thing. Um, I was heading over to a friend's house uh, for a welcome to town barbecue, basically. Um, But what I did see, it was fantastic. It was better Pocono racing than we normally see, right? Because we kind of went over how passing is tough here. They tend to get, um, you know, spread out pretty good during the race and whatnot, but that didn't necessarily seem to be the case um, this time around. So that was that was nice to see. It's also now a historic Pocono race because it was the first time a winner of a NASCAR race has been disqualified since 1960, 
I believe is what I saw. It's also the first time that somebody has won a NASCAR race without leading a single lap. Because Chase Elliott never led a lap <laughs> last week. And finishing third, he winds up winning because apparently the JGR guys had tape uh, where they weren't supposed to. So, And from what my understanding is, is the reason why it wasn't caught until post-race is apparently in pre-race tech, they don't take off the wrap, which yeah. makes sense. Um, uh, that makes sense. And because you don't want to force the team to do more work and rewrap stuff and whatever. So they couldn't detect it because it was under the wrap. But in post-race tech, they take the wrap off the cars. And then they discovered it. So that would be why it was deemed legal to start the weekend and then deemed illegal because they put the wrap. Mm -hmm. You know, it was under the wrap. So um, not great. Michael McDowell also apparently got fined a ridiculous... Well, his crew chief got fined a bunch of money. McDowell lost points because uh, they were messing with a part like Brad Keselowski tried to do earlier this year. Um, he basically needs to win twice to get in the playoffs now, right? Um, depends, I guess. I, I have to double check where he is in the standings because you got to be top 30 to make the, the playoffs, right? If you win and you're outside the top 30, you don't automatically get a bid. Um, so I have to double check where he sits exactly in the points. Cause yeah, it's possible that he might need to win to get back into the top 30 and then win again, uh, to actually make it count towards the playoffs. So yeah, there's quite a lot of stuff there. Kyle Busch still doesn't know where he's going to go. Doesn't really have a sponsor lined up yet. So, and Kurt Busch is injured. Still dealing with concussions. Yeah. Um, Ty Gibbs kind of came in short notice uh, into the 45. Had a pretty good day. For the first two stages, it was pretty much he was just getting a feel for it. Obviously, new car without practice. Uh, hell of a gamble, but he still g- grabbed a top 20 in his Cup Series debut. He'll be back in the car this week um, in the 45 for a road course, and he's excelled uh, on this type of track before. Um, very Didn't curious. Where Wasn't his first Xfinity race at the Daytona road course? Yeah, and he won it at the yeah. right price of like $4,900 in Xfinity. <laughs> yeah. Um, as we're recording this, by the way, it's Wednesday night at about 1045 Eastern. He is not yet in the DK DFS pool. Um, I have messaged DK about, well, is he going to be added? Because you put out the prices after the Kurt Busch news. He'll be added. Came out. And uh, by the way, he is, you can bet him at 100 to 1 on the DK Sportsbook right now. Um might not be bad to sprinkle some a couple of bucks down there. Uh, I mean, hell, if everybody in the country is playing the Mega Millions this weekend to try to win a billion dollars, uh, may as well sprinkle a couple of extra bucks down on DK for uh, or wherever you can <clears throat> bet him. But he's going off at about a hundred to one right now. Is he? What is he? Is does he have odds to finish as the top Toyota? Um, let me check. I have it open, so let me see what DK... Again, I'm only looking at DK because this is basically the main book that I can actually see uh, the odds for. Because, like, I can't see FanDuel where I live. Let's see. Does he have odds for top Toyota? He is going off a 10-to-1 as a top Toyota. It's not terrible. Given no, do how... you want to feel how disrespected this is? He's 10-to-1. Bubba's 50-to-1 on DK for the top Toyota. I got him at 100-to-1. <laughs> I know you messaged me, you said you <laughs> but I don't feel as good about it now that uh, Ty Gibbs. As crazy as it is, I feel less optimistic about that bet since Ty Gibbs is in the car than when I thought Kurt still had a shot at it. 
Yeah, Truex and Kyle are five to two. <clears throat> Hamlin and Bell are seven to two. Ty Gibbs is ten to one. Bubba's fifty to one, and Daniel Caviet uh, is a hundred to one. Who's a former F one driver? Um. All right, we will get to the Indianapolis the road course preview shortly. Uh, there are some announcements though in terms of the I guess content going forward the rest of the season and into the future for. Um, I guess, years to come. Yeah. Um, so we've been doing some some digging. You know, we, we like to look up analytics. We like to look at SEO stuff. We like to look at all that stuff when making decisions on directions of where things are headed. And frankly, Dan and I have been talking for a little while about paring down the NASCAR stuff because it's just quite a lot to come up with, with like, you know, three days basically and we've added some f1 and some indie bets and whatnot so it turns out that you all love the nascar podcast which is fantastic thank you all for um supporting this and listening to it and whatnot and you all are listening to quite a lot of it too based on the analytics so that's great uh what this leads to is the track breakdown will no longer be uh written essentially we're we're doing track breakdowns in the podcast anyway uh, so it's basically duplicating everything. So there's not really necessarily a point to put content out that basically nobody is reading compared to the other stuff. So um, that won't be put out. The playbook and example lineups are still sticking around. Those things are going strong, so don't worry about that. Projections will still be here. Uh, prize pick stuff will continue either in um, you know the Discord channel or written piece of content or perhaps... You get me on camera one of these days and spit out some some video stuff. Um, but yeah, so going forward, the track breakdown uh, won't be being put out there because it's just not really being terribly well received. So it's just not really worth, um, you know, putting stuff out that's that's not getting eyeballs on it. So playbook will still be there. Projections, example lineups, podcast. That kind of stuff will still be here, though. All right. Uh, I guess we will now turn our attention to this weekend's action, unless you have anything else. Nope. Let's go ahead and start breaking down the uh, Indy Road course before it breaks uh, itself. Well, all three series this weekend are in Indianapolis, wherever the trucks are running Indianapolis Raceway Park. It's the first time, I think, uh, 11 or 12 years that NASCAR has returned to that track. It is... It's kind of a, it's a short track. It's flat. It's like a Martinsville Richmond hybrid. Uh, It is like 0.68 miles in length. So very short, but the turn radius is not as tight as it is as Martinsville. So they can obviously maintain higher speeds. Um, So it's a little bit bigger. Uh, So the trucks will be there this week. They have practice early Friday morning and then they have qualifying Friday afternoon. Friday is actually kind of a loaded schedule. It's riddled with truck series practice and qualifying, the truck series race at night, Xfinity practice and qualifying on the road course, ARCA's mixed in. Pretty fun weekend for racing with all three series and we get uh, F1, uh, which you'll be covering this week before they take their month off for summer. Yes. Uh, so I will have trucks truck playbook up Friday morning. I will have it updated with practice notes uh, throughout the day. I will be at work, so bear with me there. 
and then following qualifying, I'll be doing uh, core plays for the trucks, and I'll have those posted before probably 7 p.m., and then I'll try to hit up the Discord when I get home from work if I'm out early enough. Yeah, by the uh, way, it's a late start on Friday for the trucks. It's 9 yeah, Eastern. 9 p.m., which I don't mind, to be honest with you. Short track truck racing under the lights should be a pretty fun time. Uh, and they have the ARCA race, too, at 6. So if that race, for whatever reason, goes long... It might even be a later race. Uh, yes. Do not ask Bob, Bob Parkers if the track has lights. If they're starting at 9 p.m., they obviously have lights. Yes. Uh, Xfinity Road Course racing uh, Saturday afternoon, and then we get the Cup Series. And I got to say, I know last year's Indy Road Course race was an absolute mess. There were two massive cautions at two separate times in the race because of curbing and, and turtle shells and all that crap. I absolutely love this track. I do not want to see them go back to the oval. I love the the layout. Uh, this gave us one of the best Xfinity races when they debuted at this track. And last year it was like a three to... wide pass in a two wide spot. Like yeah. it was insane. I mean, I want to see a much better race this year because last year's race was such a disaster for DFS and betting that I, I just I don't want to see any screw ups because I, I love this road course race. Um, but uh, I'm very excited for this week. It's a road course, so the DFS strategy is kind of like, uh, I don't want to say dumbed down, but it is a little more simpl simplified. But A little bit. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll dive in. Chase Elliott is the top price driver this week, 10600 on DraftKings. If you consider the disqualification following Pocono, he has either finished first or second in his last five races. I mean, if you don't Certainly count... no, no worse than third in the last five races. Correct. Yeah. It's clearly uh, gets, the power yeah. of the stash, by the way. <laughs> I mean, think about it. He started off he started off strong, had the stash. For some reason, shaved it off. And when he shaved it off, he finished outside the top 21 for four straight races. Grew it back. Hasn't finished worse than eighth going back to Sonoma. And after Sonoma, which is like after the Father's Day weekend break, he's finished first, second, first, second, and third slash first. Depending on if you count, you know, disqualification or not. <laughs> and so, yes, it's clearly the power of the stash that's helping him, right? It's not the Hendrick cards. It's not the fact that he's very good at driving. It's none of that. It's just it's just the stash. No, seriously, though, he's now he gets a road course. Like, <laughs> do we really expect this streak to end it in <laughs> this week? I don't think so. Um, I mean, there's clearly a reason... The fact that you can still get Chase at 12 to 5 on DK as a top Chevy is pretty ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, he's the favorite at 4 to 1 on there, too. And, um, yeah, he's even money for a top three, by the way, on DK. Could this maybe be a spot in DFS where you could consider to fade him? Uh, only because. At this price tag, you definitely need to get... I mean, there's win equity here, but it's like you need to nail the winner. Right. Because there's not going to be a ton of dominator points. Um, he hasn't won a road course race this year. Now, that's not to say he's been terrible on road courses this year. No, I mean, he dominated it at Road America. He just he led double-digit laps at both Road America and Sonoma. but At 29 fastest laps at Road America, too, by the yeah. way. Um. But, you know, the secret's out. Like, everyone knows he's going to be – he's the clear-cut favorite to win this race. Like, I'm not – I would either want to match the field or go underweight because I just think that there's significant leverage there. Yep. Um, 
I mean, but I mean, he's on a team where I've I've heard some people. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's a road course, and it's Chase Elliott. Like the secret, like he's easily the active leader in wins for road courses right now. So like everybody knows is that's who you play at road courses. So I'm agreeing that there's significant, there's decent leverage in fading him now. If he has an issue in qualifying, there's absolutely no way you can fade him. Correct. Right? Like, we need him to nail qualifying and start in the top five to be able to fade him. Right? Yeah. Unless he starts so far back and you're just like, eh, something's going to happen as he tries to move up. But not sure. I mean, that was the, the, the logic at the Roval, too, when – he also wrecked himself going into the wall and then came back in the final 15 laps and won the race all the way from the back of the field. So, like, I agree that there's that there's plenty of other interesting guys that you can get in this price range that you don't have to be locked into Chase Elliott. I also think that one thing you have to consider this week is that we're getting to that point in the season where it's like some drivers know that they need to win and there are other drivers that have one win and that are just going to be basically driving for points and they'll stay out for the stage points at the end of each right. stage while drivers that want to contend for the win will uh, pit before the stage break just so they can maintain track position and have it at the start of the second stage, at the start of the third stage. Elliot, with, I guess, th- three, three wins. wins, is now in a pretty comfortable spot where he doesn't need to race for points. He can pretty much just race for wins. Yeah. I mean, he's the, he's the leader in wins. Yeah. That's so I mean, with three, so. like a guy like chase and then Ross, um, I mean, those are two guys easily that can just race for wins. And then I'm looking at Kyle Bush, Denny, you know, they're probably, they can race for wins. They don't need to be too worried about points. I don't know how I'm, how sold I am on drivers like Tyler Reddick Maybe Daniel Suarez. Yeah, do we think Road America is a one-off? Um, or do we think that this track layout is similar enough to Road America in terms of it's relatively flat? There's a lot more higher speed straights here like there is at Road America um, that he could be another contender. I don't know if he can be a contender, and honestly, I'm just looking at his price tag on DraftKings, and yeah, ten thousand, ten thousand is is pretty tough to stomach, especially without. Like you and I were talking before the podcast, and I said I wish DraftKings would stop pricing drivers over ten k on road courses because without the dominator points that are available, you're really trying to nail six drivers that can finish in the top twelve or so, and you definitely need the winner. And I understand Tyler Reddick looked great at Road America. I don't know if I'm as confident in him at Indy Road Course because I don't know how motivated this team is for a win when they probably want to start accumulating points. Also, it's awkward now. That's true. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> since he's won, he also announced he's leaving the team in a year and a half. So, like, I don't know. He looked fast at Sonoma. He started fifth but finished 35th. So that's that's not great. Um, you know, we go down here to Coda. He started fourth, finished fifth, two laps led. That's 39 points, but he was also only 8,400. So you can swallow that at 8,400. It's a little tougher to swallow that at 10 grand. 
And by the way, ten grand is the most he's been all year. The previous high was, I believe, ninety seven hundred for. I think it was Talladega. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that's going to scare me about him too is that he probably qualifies well as well because at Road America he qualified fourth, uh, and he Sonoma did win fifth. that one. Sonoma he qualified fifth and finished outside the top thirty. Uh, for Coda he qualified fourth and right. finished fifth with two laps led, but. I don't know if he's qualifying top five and I don't believe that he's really in a spot where he's trying to get a win. I don't know how much I want to play him if he's 10 K. And I could say the same thing almost about Cindric, Chase Briscoe, maybe Christopher Bell, as weird as that is. I mean, Yeah, so here's what it comes down to. Let's pull up the points, because the interesting part is there are clearly some key guys that don't have wins yet this year, right? So if there are more than 16 guys that get wins, then it comes down to points, and you still technically have to point your way in because you'll be, you know, over the bubble. So let's sort the standings here um, by actual points. Because, like, Ryan Blaney, for example, doesn't have a win, but he's third in points. This is uh, unrelated to the race, but I'm on NASCAR's website, and underneath top headlines is NASCAR chasm reveals his face to drivers as a top headline. Yeah, because nobody's previously <laughs> nobody looks like, but I think he actually winds up looking like Kyle Busch, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, I don't know, let's see. So for example, Tyler Reddick is 14th in the point standings. Right, so he has a win, but like Eric Almarola is actually ahead of him in points, even though Almarola doesn't have a win. Okay, um, Briscoe is currently 16th in points, um, just two ahead of Kurt. Like Kurt is out right now. If if 16 guys get wins, Kurt, Kurt is too. 17th in the standings based on points. So. I'm with you that some of these guys have got to start. They're they're either going to go for a win at a trip. Like, Cindric, I don't have a problem with because he's a road racer. Like, I think Cindric thinks he can, this is his last best chance to win a second race before the playoffs. Maybe Watkins Glenn. But I would think that Cindric thinks this is probably his last best chance. Not to mention that their team owner owns the track. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is too, is like, we know Kurt is not, um, racing this weekend. And so there is more of an opportunity for those drivers yeah. to separate themselves from Kurt. Right. Correct. Cause Kurt's not going to win, not going to get points cause he's right. not starting the race. If he started the race and then traded with Ty Gibbs, he would get whatever points Ty Gibbs would <clears throat> would get for finishing the race, but he's clearly not starting it. So, uh, by the way, McDowell is 26th in points. So if he wins, right now he's above the top 30 cutoff line. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm probably higher on Cindric this week than than you because I think he probably believes that based on the schedule that's left, this is probably his last best chance to win. I'll also say that I don't mind Cindric at 9,100 because there, there are narratives for him here. As you said, uh, this is Penske's track. Um, Roger Penske owns it. 
I also liked the momentum that Cindric had before last week at Pocono. Um, right. I had a lot of Cindric exposure. I couldn't believe how many of my lineups. Uh, well, he fits died. so well at seventy two hundred. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, and he was coming on in on like six straight top fifteen finishes, four of those in the top seven. So, uh, yeah, that cost me. But I don't hate him at a road course this week. I just I mean, consider the fact cheaper. that he didn't. He had never raced Sonoma at any level previously until he showed up there in June, started 25th, and finished 5th. Yeah. On a track where nobody else could pass, that guy found a way to pass 20 other people. So, and he finished 7th at Road America, and he was 8th at Coda. Yeah. So, And he was 9,500 at Coda. So I don't really have a problem with the 9100. The problem is going to be that he's going to be popular, right? That's 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 the issue there. But I I do find it interesting that he is significantly more expensive than Joey Logano. Logano's 8000 this week. Um yeah, that's interesting. It's a little weird. I mean, Logano's been outside the top 22 in four straight races now. Seventh in points. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't I mean, really is a Joey Logano day. Plus, he's just not a road ringer. No. I mean, he started ninth and finished 17th at Sonoma. And he didn't have a very good day at Road America either. And then at Coda, he started sixth and finished 31st. Because he had, I think he had an issue with the uh, curbing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, in general, how do you feel about Joe Gibbs racing this week? I think the consensus is that a lot of people are worried about them just given how bad they've looked on road courses. And they have not looked good. No. That's for sure. I mean, we all thought it was going to be a great day for, like, Truex and Kyle and Denny um, at Sonoma. And Truex couldn't move anywhere. Didn't do anything. And Hamlin had a terrible day there, didn't he? He finished, like, yeah, 31st. It was a dark day for Toyota in general because I think Bubba wrecked early. Yeah, well, or had a tire come off. But yeah, yeah, he had the tire come off there, going up like turn two or whatever it was. Um, I don't know. Do you think that this is a statement race given the suspension or the, the sorry the disqualifications that happened for them that they're going to try to prove? Like, remember a couple of years ago when Kevin Harvick had that window had that rear window thing where his rear window was like caving in more than it should have and people caught it and reported it and he got um i don't remember if he got like dq'd or got point stripped or whatever and then he came back like the next week or two weeks later and won and then got out of the car and pointed to the rear window like that didn't really help me i'm just that good (laughs) Do you think this is one of those, like, we didn't need the tape, we just had it there because we could? Like, yeah, I don't It know. wasn't a brand new car, and they looked a little more competent on road courses this year, maybe. It is just becoming very concerning, given how bad they've looked as a team, uh, and almost as a manufacturer. Um, I just, it's really difficult to buy into any Toyota this week. Um, 
Kyle Busch is 98. I mean, none of them are over 10K, thank God. Um, and sure, qualifying and where they all start could very well change everything. I mean, Denny Hamlin's 8,900, which I think is a little egregious. I love Bell at 86. But again, I do have my concerns. And as a whole, like that could just be four drivers that I'm looking to see how they do on practice on Saturday. Yeah, if there was anybody I would be leaning towards, it'd be Bell. Just because he's a road course driver? He's been better. Like, he started, if he starts inside the top 10, I think he's fine. If he starts in traffic, I'm not sure he's going to pass enough people. Um, but he did do well here. Or, or, sorry, he did well at Coda. Apologies. Um, so. Uh, that would be the guy, I guess. I don't know, man. It's real hard to read. Read him. Are you more on Kyle Busch or Truex? Taking Denny out of the equation because I just don't. I just don't like him this week. Well, considering that Kyle Busch is only two hundred dollars more than Truex, and I've seen more speed in general in Kyle Busch's right? I'm inclined to lean Kyle Busch, even though. Um, I mean, the finishes for both are kind of all over the place, but at least with Bush, we did see him technically get a win at Food City. But in general, his car has just been very fast this year, except for road courses. You know, he finished 29th at uh, Road America, was 30th at Sonoma. I think he had some kind of issue there. And then he was outside. 28th at Coda. Yeah. So, again, it's not great results that we're getting from this team. No. Um, one guy I would pay a lot of attention to would be Chase Briscoe. See, but that's a guy I think that could just be racing for points. Yeah, but he's from Indiana. I know, but... Like, home state, man. Like, if we give Truex the bump for home, for his 17 home courses, you, you gotta give Briscoe a bump for one of them, right? Like... I don't know. He's been he's qualified well at road courses and run decently. But I don't know if I can do it. I don't I especially don't want to do it if he does qualify well. Cuz he did that at Road America and then he finished 14th. <clears throat> I mean, fair. It's fair. But like Okay, would you rather play Custer at 6,300 or Briscoe at 88? That's going to depend on where they qualify. Well, I mean, even, even considering last the week. fact that Custer moved from 250 to 1 to 50 to 1 to win the poll, I think right. a lot yeah, of people... Yeah, because he has qualified, like, top 10. Top 5 in, like, all three road courses so far. Um, so if, you're, if the if, argument is that they're both going to start well... If it's without, if I'm not paying attention to price tag or anything like that, because Briscoe is significantly more expensive than Custer, I'll lean Briscoe, but I'm not particularly enthralled with either. Okay, I mean, fair. I mean, I agree that I'm not enthralled with either <laughs> as well. But like, um, how do you feel about Daniel Suarez as the, as the seventh most expensive driver on DraftKings? I mean, he's got to be there, right? I mean, the. Can you? I mean, they've been fast. Four straight top, top ten finishes. Nine. Yeah, top nines. Yeah. Three yeah. of the last four have been sixth or better, and he does have a win at Sonoma. Right, and he finished top five at Road America. Yeah. And he led the first stage at Coda before he had a pit thing, like a pit cycle 
thing. And yeah, because he stayed out at the end of stage one and right. gave up track position to almost everybody in the field. Right, and then couldn't get back. And I think he got run off the track at one point if I'm on one of the results, <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken. So that's a steep price tag to pay, though. It is. It is. I think it's the most he's been all year. I see a lot. Oh, of easily. Sevens. See a lot of sevens and some sixes. Um, I think the most previously was like eighty nine. He was eighty nine at the at uh, Quaker State, which was Atlanta. Just a weird race for him to be eighty nine hundred bucks, but um, I don't know. I mean, prior to Road America, Trackhouse had won both of the road races. Yeah, in general, like as a team, they've been awesome at road courses. I know we got, we didn't really talk about Ross, but no, yeah, you know, that's not to say was, Ross isn't in play. Ross is very much uh, in play. Even at ten four, like if you're gonna pay up, you could pivot to Chastain off a of chase. If yeah. you're willing to pay that for Chase, I'd just pivot to Chastain. Um, because like for example, he was ten three, and I know we don't really go off value really for road courses because there's almost no shot at hitting five x right. But you still want get like it's a bonus if they get close to it. At Road America, Chastain put up forty eight points. He was ten three. He started twelfth, finished fourth. Didn't have a fastest lap. Didn't have a lap lead. So that's close to five x on a road course. Yeah. And, you know, he was he got thirty eight points at Sonoma. Finished seventh. Started seventh. Three fastest laps. So he's been fast all year. And, of course, you won. Now, here's my question. Do you pay him? Do you pay up for him knowing that there's, like, seven drivers in this race that want to wreck Chastain? Because Almendinger is just begging to have a shot to run his ass <laughs> off the road. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, there have been guys that have been wanting to wreck Chastain all season. I mean, and- Hamlin, Chase. Uh, Almondinger, pretty sure Logano wants a piece of J- Jastain for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. what are you doing with Blaney? Otherwise known as the we've now reached the Ed Rouse segment. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'll sprinkle him in to get some exposure. <laughs> Like, that's just always a guy that looks like he should have speed, should always go out and dominate, and then he doesn't really do anything but return, like, a modest 35 to 40-point score, and then you're left wondering, okay, why did I play Blaney again? He's very good in debating us. Like, yeah, that's a really good, uh, I guess, explanation for what he does to us every week in DFS. Like last weekend, I wasn't really on him because I thought the qualifying position was a little too high because he just didn't show comfortable or you know comfortability or speed in the car <clears throat> practice. I mean, not sure that him finishing thirty fifth had all that much to do with that, but like, I don't know. He's. Do you want to know how weird last year's race was? I mean, Almendinger won it. Well, all right. So as a part-time Blaney, guy, by the way, he was not full like 
Blaney finished second in that race with a driver rating of 90, which is not terrible, but it's also not earth-shattering for a guy right. that finished second. And he didn't finish top 10 in either of the first two stages. Yeah. So just, turn, like how chaos and chaotic that race was. Because, like, turn, what was it, 7? Turn 11, maybe? I don't know. The whole the whole turtle shell, like, ripped open cars. Like, it was <clears throat> unbelievable. Um, good news. Don't think that's going to be a problem this year because they're either getting rid of those or they have figured out a way to um, bolt them better to the track. Well, I think the issue with the first one that happened early in the race was that there was a curb or a turtle shell that they put on the track that wasn't there for practice and the drivers didn't really know about it. Yeah. And then the second one was literally a, a curb that came like unhinged from the track and that became that, a ramp. Yeah, that's the one that tore up a lot of the field. Yeah, I mean that was an insane. <laughs> it was like Talladega level of damage on a road course. As so, someone who loves this track, it was a very just an awful look. Yeah, for Indianapolis. Kind of like Coda last year in the pouring rain and Truex nearly killing Cole uh, Custer. Cole Custer. <laughs> We shouldn't laugh. But we can laugh about it because they were fine, but like yeah. in the moment, that was not a not a great look. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that being said about Blaney, he started 14th and finished sixth at Sonoma. He started 19th and finished 11th at Road America, and at Coda. Speaking of that, he started <clears throat> up and finished sixth. So, again, I don't I don't know what to do with Ryan Blaney. I really don't. I really have no idea. Yeah, that's going to be a, a, a wait-and-see approach. I mean, 9200 is a fair price. I mean, he hasn't... The last time he was that was Road America. He was 9200 And prior to that, he was 9100 of the Coke 600. That's like the last... The last few times he's been this cheap. So... Jesus, man. I don't so want to if buy we're paying up for these people, who in the hell are we paying down for? Well, I don't hate the price tag on Almondinger. No, but so does, I mean, everybody and their mother's going to play Almondinger. Yeah, I get it. But he was 9100 for Road America, 8800 for uh, Sonoma, and then we go down to, like, this is the cheapest he's been all year for a road course. So, I mean, it's it's a pretty easy position to pay up for however i will say that at coda he started 20th finished 33rd um also wasn't a slam dunk at sonoma either as he started 16th finished 19th and then you know road america he started 21st and finished 9th which was fine um but there were probably plays that paid off more so it almost feels like a trap I, I I would I would agree with that. I mean, he's going to be very popular smack in the middle of the salaries. Yeah, at eighty two hundred bucks. I could see myself essentially going underweight on him. Um, it's kind of hard for me to like dislike Kevin Harvick when they just keep pricing him as an average driver, but we know that this is a guy chasing a win. And he's and, at speed. Yeah, I mean, last week last week aside, he's been. Speedy. I mean, he he was well, he was fast last people. week. He just got caught up in a wreck late. Yeah, he's running top ten. Well, that's true. I mean, it, kind of the same thing that happened to him 
when he walled it at uh, Gateway. Um, but he finished fourth at Sonoma. He finished tenth at Road America, and he had a pretty good coda if I if I remember correctly. Finished eleventh, but I think he was actually running slightly better than that and faded late. So yeah, I don't get the pricing on Harvick being being soft, really. I mean, I I, do, I don't really understand it. Um, so I'm fine with him. Logano pretty much off of at this point. He's showing no speed right now. He doesn't really need wins at this point. And he's not been very good at road racing the last few years. So, but what are, what in the heck are we doing with the other Hendrick guys? Larson, Byron, Bowman. I mean, Byron is just that guy's imploding. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I looked at his price tag and I was like, you know, that's a guy who has been so bad. But at that price tag, I feel like he's going to somehow coerce me into getting exposure here. Yeah, he's going to be a Blaney, right? He's going to bait us because of the price tag. And you go, he can't be this bad again, right? Yeah. And then, God, I hope he's not that bad again. But, like, Bowman is <clears throat> a sneaky little road racer. I mean, he got some help at Coda earlier in the year because... Chastain and Almendinger were going at it, and um, and he just picked up the pieces. Yeah, yeah. Bowman kind of, but I mean, he started fifth and was arguably in the top five basically all day. Right. I mean, yes, the finish. He should have probably finished fourth. Probably. And doesn't and, he have like four DNFs this year though? Three of them coming. Three in the last very recently. Three in the last five races. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Three in the last five races. He did He did actually finish a race uh, at Pocono last weekend, so that's a bonus for him. Part of me thinks, like, he could be one of those guys that races for points. Yeah, probably. But he's yeah. also cheap enough where he could pay off or be optimal with a top 12. Yeah. Obviously, Kurt Busch at 7,700 is not racing, so please do not play him. He will remain. Uh, they're not going to take him out of the pool. They'll probably put an O next to his name starting on Thursday, but don't play him. Um, hopefully he gets well. Concussions aren't anything to mess with. Um, what are we doing? We talked a little bit about McDowell earlier. Are you playing him given that it's a road course? I'm surprised you just skipped over Chris Busher. I did. <laughs> I did skip over Busher, but I'm kind of pairing him with Kislowski in a minute. Um, okay, then I won't say anything. Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to play McDowell, especially as a driver that needs wins at this point, given the penalty. Yeah. Also, <clears throat> and as you've noted plenty of times, and pretty much all of last year I disagreed with you, but I'm changing my tune this year. He is an underrated road course driver. Yeah, I mean, he started 27th in Dakota, finished 13th, and then at Sonoma, fin- started 4th, finished 3rd, and then at Road America, started 6th and finished 8th. That's perfectly fine for a guy in the $7,000 range. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially because for those races, he was, you know, he was 68 for Road America, 71 for Sonoma, and then we go down to, and then he was 62. So, I mean, 73 is still. I mean, it's technically the highest he's been on a road course, but it's still not that bad. And there's still people, like, people just don't play Michael McDowell. No. He's way too uh, much of a pivot or a leverage play most weeks. Um, and if he's top 10, maybe even top five, he's probably going to be optimal. 
Yeah, I mean, he's posted eight top tens this year. Eight. Yeah, that's really good for him. That's a small team. And that's a career wish, high. <laughs> wish Todd Gilliland could do that as well. Yeah, I mean, he's posted a career. I mean, it's a career year for McDowell, and it just keeps getting overlooked. And, yes, now he's got the the penalty, but who the hell knows what they were actually trying to do. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, now we got Busher and Kislowski as the teammates. And Kislowski called him, called Busher the most underrated driver in the He's really trying to pump the tires on Chris Busher. I mean, to be honest, he's finished, he started seventh and finished sixth at Road America, started third and finished second at Sonoma. Yeah, like it's warranted. Like, Brad Kislowski's one hell of a hype man. Yeah, definitely, definitely bring that guy to the club the next time you're trying to (laughs) need a wingman because that guy, he's quite helpful in that regard. Um, Or at least he's validating why they're paying Chris Busher. I don't know. Um, Kozlowski's put up 40 points on DraftKings in two of the three road courses this year. Yep. Uh, but granted, One of those was thanks to using Ty Dillon as a bump stop, um, <laughs> which I'm still bitter about if you can't tell. And yes, that, that has happened in March. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be underplayed again because Road America left a bad taste in people's mouths. Kislowski. Yeah, no, I am. I get exposure to Kislowski every week. You've convinced you, you and Rouse have convinced me. It um, either works out amazingly for your lineup that you play him in, or it you're he is the one guy that goes backwards, and you're like, if I just didn't play this jerk. Yep. Um. But again, okay. he's 6,800, and like he can easily pay that off and be optimal. I'm assuming he's going to probably qualify. Uh, well, he qualified well for Road America, outside the top 20 for Sonoma, and outside the top 20 for. I'm probably hoping he qualifies 24th or something like that. Probably, but I think there's more. There's more speed. Net. Like I think he probably qualifies <clears throat> closer to the top 10 here than outside the top 20 because the speed. He- they have in those cars now over the last like six, seven races is way better than they they had better. earlier in the yeah. year. Um, we clearly need some some budget dudes. And yeah, Todd Gilliland and Harrison Burton are almost always in play. Um, just because they're, I mean, Todd Gilliland just keeps getting disrespected, to be honest. Um, now he's cooled down a little bit, but still, I mean, Pocono was his first finished outside the top 25 in like two months so um i don't think gilliland has ever raced here it's probably true because he jumped from the trucks to the cup yeah trucks don't run this track so there is that um joey hand though oh god <laughs> we're doing I mean, this again <laughs> Look, the problem is he started way too high at Road America. Yeah. Like he ninth was not was never gonna pay off. He can get a top twenty. Yeah. But he, he starts almost did that at, at Road America starting ninth. So that wasn't <laughs> again, not not a great endorsement. <laughs> but he does have road experience. He's a guy that just gets a little bit overlooked. Um 
Josh Williams? No, not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> guy raced the dirt track. I don't know why you're putting a dirt racer on a on a road course, but I don't know why you didn't mention Justin Haley. Man, I'm trying to keep things secret, man. <laughs> you you're throwing out Joey Hand, but you're skimming over Justin yes. Haley. <laughs> I mean I mean Haley's not a lock by any means. Like no one in this, I guess, sub AK range necessarily is, but Haley Started 34th, but finished 24th to at least have a positive day for DFS, and that was at Road America. Uh, finished 12th at Sonoma after starting 18th. I don't think he had the greatest day at Coda. Well, he started 9th and finished 15th, but, I mean, the negative PD only gave him 22 day, drafting yeah. points. Um, but, I mean, he has, like, you know, he's he's run here a few yeah, times. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want exposure to colleague, <clears throat> you don't want the ownership of Almondinger than Haley is your play, right? That's the angle on that's the angle. I mean, aside from yes, he's had very good finishes, but if you want exposure to a team that clearly has fast cars on road courses and you don't want to deal with the 55% of people that are going to play Dinger, then you go with Haley to go get a colleague car at a lot cheaper price. I agree with all of that. Sorry, I was looking at Bubba Wallace, and I keep trying to talk myself onto Bubba Wallace because I have him to finish as the top Toyota driver. Man, I mean, this is so hard, right? Well, in theory, it's easy because he himself has admitted that he sucks on road courses and hates them, because he, he finished 35th at Road America, 36th at Sonoma, uh, <laughs> 38th at Dick. We're, looking, we're, in, we're talking about a driver that's finished outside the top 30 in all three road courses, I guess the one thing we can hang our hat on is that he's running the Xfinity race. And that he's got two top ten finishes that he's coming off of. Yeah. I mean, momentum is certainly there. As long as the damn tire doesn't fall. Now, so Sonoma, though, he was running better until his tire fell off. Oh, my God. He was. That's true. In his like, last six races, he's and this is incorporating uh, two road courses, but he's posted 32 points or more in four of those races, and then negative four points in the other two races. And those two races where he posted negatives were road courses. Yeah, it's not great. I will grant you. <clears throat> I will grant you that. But I still think there are extenuating circumstances here. Um, let me see what the loop data stats for Sonoma. Because Bubba, okay, so his highest position was 26. So that doesn't really bode well for me because he started 27th. Um, yeah. That's, I don't know. Probably not playing very much on Bubba. You can bet him because that was ridiculous good odds and who the hell knows what happens with the Toyota camp. I will say, since we've touched on almost every driver in the field, that I'm not going to completely write off Austin Dillon. I know the last time we previewed a road course race was Road America, and I mentioned him as a driver that finished 11th and 10th in the two previous road courses, and then he went out and finished 31st at RA. Uh, But because of the 11th and 10th place finishes at uh, Coda and Sonoma, I will still give him a little attention. I would really like it if he was starting outside the top 20 yeah by the way you could also count the top 
12 at Pocono last weekend because there's a lot of drivers out there that say you shift at Pocono like you do on a road course. Now, clearly there's not right turns involved at Pocono or shouldn't be unless you're really driving the track way wrong. Um, But in terms of driving style and shifting and getting into a rhythm, a lot of people say that Pocono is similar to a road course. But, yeah, I... Look, I feel like Austin Dillon's a good guy to play on weeks I don't put him in the playbook. And that's not a knock on me. It's just Austin Dillon likes to strike when you least expect it. And if I put him in the playbook, then it's expected, and then he doesn't help us out. He's a guy I like to play most weeks when I don't catch his reality show, which has been every week. Yeah. I don't know, you think the thing with Brad Kis- with Kislowski is going to carry over? Because ain't nobody because nobody can explain what the hell that was about. Yeah, their spotters didn't even know. No, <laughs> I watched War <laughs> Bumper Clear and Brad Spotter, which is TJ Majors, was like, we we were having a whole conversation on the spotter stand, like we didn't know who hit who, who, why, why it happened, what what the hell went on. I don't know. So. <clears throat> So as we wrap, uh, God, I cannot talk. Uh, as we wrap up this podcast, do we just want to touch real quick as a reminder of strategies for road courses? Like you don't have to prioritize dominator points. Just try to get guys that can finish well and mix in some PD. Don't be afraid to take chances on some lower owned guys because there are gonna there's gonna be a lot of chalk, um, especially if there are some obvious PD plays. Yeah, for sure. Um, Indy Road tends to be one that you can pass on. Um, Despite the curb issue last year, we did see quite a decent amount of passing um, and close quarter racing. Um, And this car is supposed to, you know, help you race better in close quarters, generally speaking. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's more about finish position here than really anything else you can kind of go after um lap sled but it's not really like necessary because there's not there's not a huge amount of laps in this race uh, let me let me pull up let me double check exactly how many uh laps there are because i can't i can't remember um right off the top of my head here so um you know you certainly want exposure to some guys that can lead some laps but it's not imperative um so I don't know. There's uh eighty-two total laps in this race. So that's not bad, but no, the stages still are not fifteen, a lot. twenty, and <clears throat> is that forty-seven? Thirty-five to eighty-two is forty-seven. Um, yeah. So there's a little bit more there than we thought, but still you're not really gonna hunt. I mean it's basically next to impossible for one guy to go out and lead all of the laps. We've seen it happen in some road courses. Chase Elliott did it a few years ago. Watkins Glen leading like 80 of the 90 laps. That's awesome. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. Not with this day. car. They tend to like spread the dominator points out. And, it, like, and, strategy, and you brought up a point pitting. about strategies yeah. with pitting. Because you're going to see people who might lead some stages and get the stage points. Yeah. Um, and but, then pit, or and you'll see some guys that give up 
track position at the end of the stage to go gain it to the start of the new one. So there's going to be a lot of yo-yoing in the field, I feel like, on Sunday. I feel like if your drivers are staying out at the end of stage one, you might be screwed. Yeah, I don't think there's any way you can win unless chaos happens, which is possible, though we're not rooting for it. Um, I feel like staying out of stage one probably doesn't give you a great shot to win. Also, my last question is going to be, since they essentially have to run, uh, they're not running backwards on this course, but they are going to be entering pit road basically in reverse. So they will enter with the passenger side uh, parallel to the wall. Yes. Do we know if there are any bizarre pit road rules for this week, or are they just hitting in reverse essentially? That's a very good question. Let's Thanks. See I have I one of those every year on this show. Let's let's see if I can find out any information on that. And if you don't, uh, not a big deal, but I think it's something that we just need to keep in mind. I don't know that there would be because they do have normal crews. I mean, like we saw normal pits for the cup race at Road America, right? Yeah, and they pitted, pitted and they pretty pitted much backwards. the same way. Yeah. Um, the only time we see weird ones is like usually Xfinity for Road America because the cup teams are usually across the country, so you have backup pit crews. But now you'll have Xfinity and cup racing the same track back-to-back days. So I don't suppose that there will be. Let me see if I can find out anything about the tires here, actually. Um, let's see. They will run the same tire setup they ran at Road America. Um so yeah but not it's apparently different than what we've seen at um they ran the right sides at all four tire positions at coda so this exact so they switched the tire set they ran a new tire set up at road america which is what's going to be on the cars this weekend at indy road the right side tires for this week were run on all four tires at Coda. So the only one that was that's out is Sonoma. They had different had different tires, and there will be wet weather tires for both series. So if it rains, get ready for guys who have no idea how to road course race trying to also drive in the rain. So, all right, well. That's one of the more lengthy podcasts we had this year, but I think we covered everything. I mean, there's there's almost everybody in the field that we talked about. Almost everybody in the field, touch on strategy, news. Anyway, I think we did good, but unless you have anything, I'm willing to just say best of luck to you this week, Matt, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? 
Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.